the renegade hag Agoramaya has made off with the Balnexicon. The faithful of Semyana have gained a foothold in Outpost 9 and are threatening the tenuous peace. Their forces could be coming across the hills at any moment to destroy the Raveness garrison, and this places at least one PC in dire danger, the sorcerer of Oz who had escaped from the cult in the past. Things are deteriorating rapidly in their home setting, and so the players need to make a move fast. Their prescribed path to pursue their goal takes them through the wetlands, which is where the Hag Coven is located. Mir, the druid, is knowledgeable of the area and is capable of steering them in the correct direction and keeping them as safe as is possible. However, he has a blind spot where the hags are concerned, and as the party makes to go through this most dangerous of areas, thinking that they have impunity, the truth is they're not as safe as they think they are. Because the hags have a goal and a purpose, but they are what they are. They're evil, devil, and demon-worshipping things that are always trying to jockey for position and power. And if they can get the players, or I should say the characters, to make a mistake, they wouldn't hesitate to feast on their bones. This is Anatomy of a Campaign. So what's the plan of attack for this coming session? The first thing I should note is that uh, the session is already beginning. It has already happened in virtual as opposed to live during the session. Coming out of the last session, we all agreed that we were going to look to handle certain setup facets on, uh, on the forums found within Roll20, and I was able to publish out to them a, a slightly more detailed map of the region and the prospective path that they're going to take. I was able to give them some feedback that came from uh, the Druid's connections within the Fae and the Hag Coven to let them know who's Agoramaya or a little bit more about who she is, where she tends to be located, where she might be heading. And if they come through the, the wetlands, through the hag-controlled area, that the hags, while they won't directly go against Agoramaya, they would give the party a potent weapon in their fight against her. As a result, the uh, players have come back with other questions, have set up intentions, things that they're doing in the outpost to gain further information. And some of them came up with some, some interesting pathways for that. Mir the Druid has decided to salvage a ship from the bottom of the harbor. I'm not talking about a, a large ship, but something that a uh, 15 footer uh, schooner as he had described it. And so he had one of the, the hags, actually a sea hag actually come and help him do that. And I had this sea hag damage him as a result, sort of saying, you know, don't uh, demand my help without offering me something of true value as a reminder. And it allowed the uh, Bruce and I to get on the same page in terms of what these hags actually represent. And it turns out that he he's already totally on board with this, which is Mir's being a little naive about the relationship with these hags. They're still evil creatures. As, as they proceed, 
uh, there are inherent dangers in the mix. I don't think it would tip fully into the hags going after them. They still have an uh, agenda and they'd like to use the player characters to achieve that agenda, but it's not all as friendly and nice as the character Mir believes it is. Another very interesting area came from uh, our, our dwarven urban ranger, uh, Constantine, who decided to go back and talk with the the contact Bulger, the last man to possess the Balnexicon, and see, has anyone else been looking for the book? In other words, will there be opposition that they could run out to in the field? People, uh, other third and fourth parties that might be interested in it. And also, what else could he tell him about um, about the, uh, the Balnexicon? And from that, the, the information that I shared was that, you know, no other interested parties had come to, to look for it. However, I had the man describe the book as being alive, that the book spoke to him in an attempted to get him to perform rituals out of the book, which he has no skill and therefore failed at. But hopefully that gives, um, as if the name Balnexicon, I mean, it sounds kind of evil, as if that wasn't enough to sort of clarify for Constantine that there are inherent dangers in finding this book. It's also worth noting that Constantine the dwarf finally decided to open the iron casket. Multiple sessions in weeks and months of play, and finally, the MacGuffin from the very first session is opened to discover what's inside. I've shared, of course, with all of you what's inside. It's a necklace made out of bone, and when Constantine opens it up and sees this strange object, which looks nothing like he'd expect, as I've said, I used a portion of a human rib cage as the, the piece that is located inside the, the coffer with a, a leather strap so that it can be fashioned around the neck. And then he did something I wasn't quite expecting him to do just because he doesn't seem to fully trust this character yet, but he went and got Calda and Calda alone and showed it to him to see if Calda could figure out what it is. And he couldn't because identify won't work on something that is so powerful as to block any kind of divination. He could tell that it was magic, and he knew that his identify failed for some reason. He didn't really press me on that, and I think they they both did like history checks, and they both did horrible on them to attempt to identify what it was. There was l very little information that they had. For the time being, they didn't tell anyone else in the group about it, and they also decided that Constantine would keep a hold on it. What I also did was I gave everybody um, what I called rumors, which is, you know, in a real old school thing, you know, back in the day, the, the modules published by TSR would have charts of rumors, some false, some true, some a little bit of false and true that if the players went and talked to people in the town that would often start off these adventures, they could learn, you know, different things. And, you know, what was interesting about that is some of them were very misleading. In this case, I actually haven't given them misleading clues. They've said things like, you know, called is researching uh, certain key points within the storyline. What can I find out about Agoramaya? What can I 
They're called the Grommengast wetlands, which is where the hags are. What can I find out about the, the those wetlands? The town where they believe that Agoramaya is heading is called Borlane. And I was able to share some information about, you know, the regions they'll be going through. And I don't want to go into exceeding detail here because there's a there's a lot of detail. You know, when you do something that is a little more sandboxy. And as I went into in our, our last audio journal, I'm I'm ratcheting that back a little bit. However, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a DM man, so I've got my setting details and there's a lot of ideas there and the maps are fairly detailed, but there's this region called the Rootlands that they're they're gonna be dealing with, which is this very fertile farming country that is defended by these very uh, rigidly cast-structured horse warriors. What I provided for the players was a knowledge because of the druids' experience in these wetlands, as well as, you know, rumors that they'd heard that there are going to be things like will-o'-the-wisps, that there are were-rats, there are predators that are located within the wetlands, and there are safer passages through that Mir knows, but safe is a relative term. So all that being said, the next session is about um, finalizing the preparations that they're making to leave Outpost 9, and then we will get to the party leaving the town, being out in the wilderness, moving through hexes, random encounter potential as they move from the, the coastal lands eventually into the wetlands and trying to navigate through the Gromengast swamps. That's what we're looking at for the next session. And so they, the point is, how do you prepare for that? Or I should say, how do I prepare for that? And that's the essence of what I want to talk about in this particular audio journal. There are going to be, I think, two or three general parts to this. The first part I've already set up for the players, and it's my attempt to sort of take the reins back and put things a little bit more in my court to, to make sure things are rolling forward. There are two things that the players need to accomplish before they leave. Number one, they need to get supplies for the journey. And because of the economic state of things, that's going to necessitate something being a little out of the box versus, hey, we just go and talk to the general store and spend some gold. The party has casks of brandy that they can use for barter, and that's going to be the, the essence of how they're trying to get supplies. The next thing that's uh, that needs to happen in advance is Caldo wants to speak to his old charge, Riziki, the, the powerful diviner wizard who is uh, kind of suffering from dementia and had been accused of that crime. He wanted to talk to him one last time. Turns out that he has been moved from the garrison to one of the, the major houses in the upper city. So one of the rich families from Ravenest has taken possession of Riziki in, under the guise of protecting him. And so in order to gain access, I've said that uh, the half-orc fighter Bren's contact in the mercenary corps allows him to know the captain of the security that is currently guarding both the upper city as well as specifically it's uh, named House Dejani. And that means that we are going to start the session, so this first part of what I'm talking about here, two concurrent social interaction sessions. And I'm going to sort of bounce back and forth between the two of them with Calda and Bren going to the house Dejani to, to gain an audience with Riziki and the rest of the group, Mir, Constantine, and Voss attempting to sell off some of the casks of brandy in exchange for gold plus also supplies for their journey. 
that's going to be part one. Part two should be them on the road heading out, and that's going to be south out of Outpost 9 along the coastal regions, but skirting these dangerous hills. The hills have orcs and ogres. The coast itself is rife with goblins and pirates, and so there'll be lots of opportunities for random encounters, and so I'm, I'm anticipating that there's going to be a combat session somewhere in there. Now, you can approach random encounters a number of different ways. Normally, you know, the way I've heard it done is there's going to be, you know, each hex you have to roll some percentage or some dice, and if you roll a certain number, then a random encounter occurs. Random encounters often are supposed to be far more difficult than the encounters that a party would necessarily run into in a dungeon setting, for example. I think because the last session had uh, no combat at all or very much dice rolling. Uh, I'm going to pretty much guarantee that there are going to be two quote-unquote random encounters. One as they're going down the coastline and one when they actually get into the swamp itself. So depending on how far we get, you never can tell how things roll through a session. I'm going to be prepared for obviously first these two social interactions there's going to be an opportunity for, for an encounter that occurs as they're moving towards the swamplands over their first day of travel. There's also going to be the opportunity for encounters as they go through the swamplands themselves. The combat uh, encounter or the potential combat encounter that can occur on the coastlands is going to be something pretty straightforward and, and simple, though that may be very dangerous. I'm thinking of... Uh, maybe a couple of ogres and some orcs, just to mix things up because I've already done the pirate thing. Then the, the, the more complicated piece is going to be getting into the swamplands because this, this actually comes from almost a request that I got from the player Bruce in the very, very beginning when he came up with his character concept, which I've talked about really enjoying. I, I think it's awesome that he's playing a druid who's sort of indebted to these evil hag creatures. But the, the hags are also not so simplistic because while they may be evil, they're also playing a very firm role against the, the followers of Semi. The Fae are, in a sense, um, aligned against the same enemy that everyone else is so far in the campaign, and I love that kind of complexity. Bruce, in the beginning, had sort of requested that there be uh, some kind of future opportunity where his knowledge of these Fae lands was something where he had to help take the party through very dangerous areas where the hags really ruled. And I thought that was... Uh, a great request. I love when players bring up stuff like that. It's a player thinking as a storyteller, not a player thinking as a player necessarily. And so I saw the opportunity to really pay that off and, and have it be mere helping to move the party through the Gromingast wetlands and potentially interact with the Fae. So I have a delicate balance, I think, here. The temptation is to kind of have this be a very dangerous set of encounters. There's a lot of great opportunities in a swamp setting to, to give characters stuff that's that's dangerous. And honestly, compared to, say, like a couple of ogres coming out of the hills, while ogres may be powerful and dangerous to deal with at the level the party is at, that's nowhere near as interesting as the type of encounters that, that you can really put together in a, in a swamp setting. So what I don't want to do is have these dangerous encounters because then that nerfs the benefit of Mir being a, an insider in those areas. I want to really pay off this concept that he knows these areas and he can help safely or more safely navigate them through the swamps. 
right? So I, I need to find a way to really telegraph that the party is getting a substantial benefit uh, from from Mir's backstory in this case. And I also think there's there's two potential areas here. There's the combat encounters that can happen as a result of different things being in the the swamp, nasty creatures and whatnot. I could be some you know dire crocodiles hiding under the water, for example. And then there's the social encounters with the fae. And because I keep calling them fae, I'm hoping that I'm conveying that this is a little bit less like hey, elves and more like the more traditional folktale version of the fae where they're attempting to trick passengers to their doom. These are these are creatures that are going to toy and play with their the characters. These are creatures who are going to be cruel and unforgiving, and they're going to be there to tempt them. The way I intend to handle this is probably show that uh, there's a couple of encounters that they're able to navigate away from in the swamps, really deadly encounters like shambling mounds and will-o'-the-wisps and things of that nature, but then have some kind of seemingly random piece with a, a little more level appropriate thing for the characters in the swamp so that it's you know clear that while Mir knows his way through, this is a very dangerous area. And then once they initially encounter some of the Fae, ha have them, you know, acting maybe not as kindly and pleasant and, and maybe, you know, make it a little overt that they're looking to instigate the uh, the characters. They're looking to draw a bad reaction out of them so that they can take some advantage. My anticipation is that the session is going to end with um, an encounter with the, the hags, meaning it'll be some kind of a cliffhanger where some really dangerous looking hag has surrounded them something that where it's not exactly clear that they're going to be treated very very kindly and then begin the next session with the role-playing encounter with the hags we'll see how it goes i'll be prepared to handle that interaction if we get to that but as i have found time and time and time again i never get as far as i think i possibly can better to be over prepared than under prepared though So what do I think is going to work? What do I think is going to maybe be some trouble? I think there's a couple of good things that are going to work in this session. I think the way I have set up the two opening social interactions, meaning the casting of the characters in them, is going to help with this problem I've been having of uh, characters going off and dealing with purely personal things on their own. Most notably... Uh, having called a need Bren, the half-orc fighter, in order to gain access to Riziki, it now inserts a different character into the Riziki subplot within the story. I think it's going to be uh, an interesting interaction, selling the brandy casks with those three characters. Uh, I think Constantine and Voss's interactions have always been kind of fun. Mir in the mix uh, will hopefully be a good mitigating force to keep things very, very uh, nice and moving forward. And I also think the encounters in the swamp dealing with that little subculture. There's a number of facets that are in there. There's the just the inherent dangerous nature of a swamp, the the ickiness of having to, to go through it, trying to bring that to life, as well as the Fae and their oddities. There's also another outlier I didn't mention that I set up within the swamp so the characters and the players are aware of it. There's this sort of barbarian, evil barbarian swamp culture that's existing, uh, made up of humans and half-elves who are also servitors of the hags, but they're not fae. They're just sort of cruel 
bayou type of people. So there may be some interesting interactions with with those folk. There's a lot of opportunity there in order to to have both role-playing encounters, some challenges that are about social interactions that, you know, are a nice, wait for it, juxtaposition, huh? Nice. Uh, SAT word against what will be the social interactions back at House Dejani in the beginning of the of the, the game when Bren and Calda are, are trying to get access to Riziki. That'll be dealing with folks who are at the uppermost echelon of polite society, and later they'll be dealing with basically uh, stereotypical swamp people. Uh, I, I actually think the... There's, there's little opportunity for things to, to be very wrong and off in this particular session. It's looking like everyone is in agreement on the direction they're going to be going, meaning they're heading south, they're going into the wetlands, they're going to try to get this boon from the hags so that ultimately when they go against Agora Maya, they'll be better prepared. I think everyone's very interested in seeing what happens in those regions. I think potentially I've got to find ways to punch up if I'm going to do that initial count encounter down the coast where they're fighting, say, a couple of ogres or something like that. I've got to find a way to either give it a, an interesting setting or a little bit of a spin so it's a little bit better than just a, a straight-up fight with a couple of powerful monsters. I guess I don't have to do that to a degree. Sometimes it's nice to give characters a, an easy fight. And to that end, I may actually scrap the idea of making it ogres and make it more about a bunch of goblins and make it a little bit more of a comedic encounter. Even as I'm talking about this, I'm 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 liking it better if I if I had them dealing with a whole bunch of really incompetent uh, goblins attempting to to pull an ambush on them. I think they might enjoy that, um, and it would be a good. Uh, Again, juxtaposition against the the more difficult and dangerous uh, encounters that they're going to be running into in the swamp. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing, throwing us a review, or sharing with your other gamer friends. You can follow me on Twitter at AnatomyCamp. Thanks for listening.